When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. know I love a checklist and today's episode really aligns with that love. Today we're chatting with Susan Berkowitz and she shares her top 10 best practices for using AAC. And I was excited to hear these this list because utilizing AAC devices in the classroom was honestly something that I struggled a little bit with as a teacher. I felt overwhelmed and a little bit intimidated. I never wanted to mess things up, and I always had the best intentions of utilizing the devices all the time, but sometimes life would get in the way. So I loved that Susan's list was simple yet really actionable. She shares some little tweaks that you can make to your day on how to incorporate these systems that our kids need, which I know we all agree with, but they need them, how we can utilize these systems on a regular basis more often. Susan Berkowitz is an SLP with over 40 years in the field and has an expert level in how to utilize AAC for a wide range of learners. This episode is jam-packed with things that you can put into your classroom right away, whether you are a para or a teacher or a clinician. And I think for parents of kids that have that utilize AAC, you're going to find a lot of valuable tips on how to make sure to incorporate these systems in your households as well. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Sasha. Can Before we jump in, can you share a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, I've been a speech and language pathologist for um, 42 years, 
and I've worked with kids with autism for 46 years. So um, I've been... So just a little bit of experience. <laughs> yes. I know. Every time I say that, it makes me feel really old. Um, but yeah, I've been working with kids with autism since the 70s when it was still called childhood schizophrenia. And we were just starting to teach kids signs to communicate when they were nonverbal. Um, and so I've seen the field change tremendously. I love all the changes that have happened. I love that there's more information getting out there to speech pathologists, to teachers, to parents especially, um, and uh, that we're getting you know more awareness and acceptance. And particularly for our kids who don't speak, I you know I want people to know what to do and how to handle communication. I've done, uh, what have I done? I've presented at national and international conferences. I've written, uh, published articles in peer review uh, professional journals. I've written a book recently um, that's a step-by-step -step guide for parents and professionals. It's not like wading through a textbook. And um, I just keep trying to get the word out there. Awesome. Well, we are lucky to have you here to learn from. Thank you. Okay, so today Susan is sharing with us her 10 best practices in the classroom for AAC users. But before we dive into that, can you take a second for anyone that's new to the field or just needs a refresher and explain what AAC is? Absolutely. AAC stands for Alternative Augmentative Communication. So augmentative is when you have somebody who has some speech but not enough to meet all of their communication needs. And we see this a lot with kids with autism who have a few words or even a few dozen words, but that's clearly not enough to really communicate. Um, as well as alternative, which is an alternative to verbal communication for those who are not verbal. Um, and so we seek to make an individual's communication be as and comfortable and competent as we possibly can. Great. So what are some examples of different types of AAC that, you know, teachers and parents might be used to seeing or familiar with seeing? Yeah, there are, there's everything from no technology, which can be um, a single picture uh, that's um, used to make a request or a comment um, or a protest. There's a uh, entire books of pages that provide a lot of vocabulary. And that's what we like to see is a robust vocabulary, uh, lots and lots of words that can be used for lots of different communication functions. Um, in the low technology area, we have things like big math buttons, a single button, which you push and you record a message into it. So it might say, I need help. Um, or something like that. And those uh, voice output devices can go all the way up to uh, 128 buttons, um, though for the most part, 32 is about the limit for most of the ones we see in the classrooms, those text speaks, uh, the go talks, those kinds of things. And those have their place um, in the AAC world, but they're never sufficient to be an individual's entire communication system because they just don't allow for enough vocabulary uh, to meet everybody's needs. And then we have the high-tech systems, 
the dedicated devices that are manufactured based on computer hardware, um, or now we also have the iPads, and there are hundreds of augmentative communication apps, but only about a dozen that are really fully functional, robust apps with, again, a lot of vocabulary. And, um, and I always caution people not to restrict a child's vocabulary because you think they can't learn all of these words, but to be optimistic, to presume competence, and to provide sufficient vocabulary so that that child can meet all of his communication needs. Yes. Love that. I mean, that was just like printed on the wall of every classroom, right? I know. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So let's jump into your 10 tips here. What's the first one? All right. Well, the first one is to make sure that all of your students who don't have sufficient verbal language skills to meet their communication needs have that AAC system, at least with basic core vocabulary. Um, I hate to see anything less than 20 or 32 core words for an individual. And I know for many of our individuals, we build up to that slowly. You might start with one core word. But we want to know that we're building that vocabulary and introducing words that we're um, constantly offering our kids any other form of communication that they could possibly need. What is your suggestion to teachers that get new kids, you know, mid-year or in the start of the year that they don't maybe know that much about yet? And maybe teachers that don't have regular access to an SLP. Like how can we, in the interim, make sure that there are some communication opportunities? I would make sure that you take a look at your routines in the classroom, the things that you do over and over again. Look at the words that you use in those routines and find those high-frequency words. They're usually verbs or adjectives. Um, And as often as possible, use those while pointing to the symbol that represents that word um, on a communication board or um, up in the classroom or on a student's desk, and constantly be modeling um, using those important core words. And you can find out fairly quickly by a student's response, whether they've had any exposure to this at all, whether they can pick it up really quickly, or whether you're going to need to start fairly basic with just a couple of core words um, at a time and work to build them and build them in, as I say, among the routines, because those are the activities that happen with enough frequency to really learn those words. That's great advice. And that's something that's totally doable. You know, that's not like 
reinventing the wheel. It's just exactly. working with the structure you have. Right. We say that a child needs 200 opportunities a day at a minimum to learn to use an augmentative communication system. And people kind of freak out over that. You know, teachers and parents look at me and they go, 200? That sounds like a really (laughs) big number. But if you look at your routines, either in the classroom or at home, there are so many opportunities. You say words constantly to your child. Yeah. Um, probably sometimes a little too much, but, but there are so many opportunities that 200 is really very doable. Yeah. Which actually this brings us to your second tip here. Yes. And that is using what we call aided language stimulation or in simple terms, modeling. Our kids learn well through modeling. Um, We know that kids learn language by listening to the models of adults around them. Kids who aren't speaking need models of the people around them using those picture symbols that they need to use to communicate so that they understand what the symbols mean, how and when to use them, and they need to see it over and over and over again. Our our children listen to language for 12 to 18 months before they start talking. So a kid who doesn't talk, who needs a picture-based system, needs a lot of input to catch up to all of the time is missed. Yes, that that analogy about, you know, a a baby and when a baby learns to talk really like, oh, I've heard that before. And that does really strike me on like, oh my gosh, like we've really got a lot to do. And not that that's intimidating, but, you know, it means that we got to really up the ante. Can you give a little scenario of what this would look like? Let's say, you know, there's a learner, Johnny, and he has a Dynavox. How can a teacher model how to use that Dynavox within the situation of the classroom or that structure routine of the day? Sure. Look at the homepage on a Dynavox. Um, It might still be running gateway software. Um, Although now that it's Toby Dynavox, they might have um, Snap plus Core as their homepage. And those core words are high frequency words. They're the words that we use the most. And so those are mostly verbs, some pronouns, Things like want, give, have, hold, don't, (laughs) do, uh, get, need, uh, build, make, cut, write, paste, read, all of those verbs. So um, you've got lots and lots of opportunities as you're giving directions or uh, making a comment so that when you use those keywords verbally, you're going to find them on the system and point to them or activate that button. You're not going to use the symbols for every single word you use in a sentence. That would take you way too long. But you're going to model one step above where the student is at. So if you've got a child who is not using any symbols at all to communicate, model one word. Open, give, make, cut, stand, sit. You say it, you point to the picture. When you've got a student who's starting to use single pictures, now you're going to up it to two pictures as models to move him to that next stage. So open it. You do. Me do. Those kinds of of things. So you're you're gradually building up to, um, to phrases and sentences as the child progresses, but you start really simple. That's such great advice. And I think I don't, and I'm sure maybe you see the same thing. I just don't see always staff and parents 
doing that enough. They're like tr- afraid to touch the device. Yeah. <laughs> like, because this means, you know, this means actually touching the device and, like you said, maybe activating the words and pressing right. the buttons, you, you know, need, and modeling it. Yeah. You need to be familiar with a child's communication system. In order to teach AAC, you have to use it. And so you need to know where the words are in that system. <laughs> and if you've got a classroom with eight kids with eight different systems, you need to sort of have an idea of where they are in yeah. all of them, which can be overwhelming for a teacher. I always recommend um, taking the pages of a child's communication system. And if it's a, um, a techno- technological system, make printing out copies of those pages and giving them to the paraprofessionals, to the teacher, to the parents, so that they have them to look at and to practice and to use with the child so that they have that ability to get familiar. Um, You can't just only have the system when the kid's asleep in order to take a look at it and get familiar with it. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, so tip number three. Tip number three, um, the best classroom I ever saw was a teacher who every time a student approached her desk and started to gesture or open a mouth or, and she knew she wasn't going to understand them because they didn't have the words. She said, I don't understand. Go get your device. We need to redirect these kids when they start gesturing or signing. And you don't know what that sign means, or it's too idiosyncratic and you haven't got it or their intelligibility is not enough. They need to get used to to hearing the phrase, I don't understand, show me. So that that's their repair strategy. If they do something to communicate that the listener doesn't get, we redirect them to use their AAC system. That's such an important self-advocacy strategy too, because you know, ideally you're not going to be with mom and dad all the time and you're going to have to problem solve and exactly. stand up for yourself. I, I frequently see, um, say, young adults with cerebral palsy who didn't want devices when they were younger, but now they're out in the world with adults or they have a job or they're trying to have a job and people don't understand them. Um, and so for a lot of our kids, even uh, those who have a lot of signs, for example, even in the deaf community, those signs aren't recognized um, because they're too idiosyncratic. And we don't yeah. actually teach sign language. We only teach isolated signs. So um, so being able to repair your communication breakdowns is a great strategy. I do this a lot. I have a cousin who uses Prolico on his phone. And we're a close family. A lot of times, you know, people know what he means. So he's used to communicating non-verbally. Yes. But you know, when, when he, when I don't understand him, I'm constantly telling him, I'm like, get your phone out, get your phone out, get your phone out. Cause I know, you know, you're 18, it's in your pocket where <laughs> every 18 year old has their phone. Yeah, exactly. Um, because he has a lot more to say than just what gestures and things like that can communicate. Absolutely. And that kind of ties us into the next tip, Yeah, which is modeling and requiring communication for a variety of functions. Way too often we celebrate and we enthuse when we finally teach this child to request something that he wants. And then we stop there. And way too many people think that, okay, I've taught him to ask for the things that he wants that will help the behavior and everything is wonderful. And that's all I need to do. But there are so many more communication functions that we use. We comment, we greet, we ask questions and answer them. We seek out information. And 
our children need to learn all of those communication functions or as many of them as possible. So again, don't just stop with requesting. Don't think that's as far as you can go. You've got the opportunity to model and request other functions of communication. That's yeah, you, are, you are majorly preaching to the choir on that yeah. one. I, I, in my <laughs> trainings, I, I talk a lot about, you know, I feel like I've met many kids who, if you stop at requesting, they're very happy learning like in, you know, PAX learning. I want chicken nugget, ketchup, and iPad. And yep. that's it. If yep. I've got chicken nuggets and an iPad, I'm pretty set for life. And, and we stop there. So yeah. we don't push beyond like, what about, you know, the thousands of other words that we could learn? Exactly. And, and for a lot of our kids, things like a break, I want something different. I don't like this. Um, any kind of those comments, he's bothering me. Mm -hmm. um, it's too loud. All of those things are other functions um, and they need to be able to, to say those. Um, having a conversation with somebody. They need to know how to tell about what they've experienced or what they feel. Um, that's the basis for our social closeness. And so we need to be expanding those functions. Yes. And number five, you expand on this even more. Yeah. Literacy skills. Um, way too often in uh, substantially separate special education classrooms, the extent of literacy is sight words. Um, and kids will learn sight words, but sight words have their limits. You can't learn every word that you're ever going to need through memorizing sight words. And our kids learn reading the same way everybody else does. And we just need to teach them. Um, years ago, Janice Light at uh, Penn State developed uh, with David McNaughton a literacy um, program. It's available for free on the internet at the Penn State Literacy Project. And, um, and it just tells how to develop those phonological awareness skills like rhyming and recognizing when words start or end with the same sound or being able to count syllables um, and using pictures to respond instead of speech. And that's really all it is. Um, and so we need to give our kids literacy skills. Literacy skills are the foundation for everything else you do in life. We live in such a text-rich world that I think as readers, because we're all readers, yeah. I'm assuming, <laughs> we forget that. We forget how often we're consuming text and how much that helps us. Yeah. Bus schedules, prescription bottles, um, directions, anywhere. Uh, you know, even if we're not talking about sitting down and reading a novel, text is everywhere. You're right in our society and, yeah. and we need to teach kids how to deal with it. Great. All right. Number six. Okay. Repeating, affirming, and elaborating student responses. So if a child says, help, you might look at the context and say, help me, help open. Do you need help? with that. Um, so again, you repeat what they've said and then expand it to what might be a longer or more appropriate or better clarifying statement that has two or three words. Um, and so again, you're giving them models of, yes, I understood. This is an expansion. This is what you can say next. 
this is where we're going. This is such a simple idea. And again, it's not reinventing the wheel, but this little tweak, I think I could see getting such huge impacts from if your whole team is doing this, paraprofessionals, teachers, clinicians, what a big impact that would have on a student. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and too often we just are like, we accept, you know, the communication where it's at and like, okay. And it's not saying that we're not going to reinforce that response, but providing that extension is so great. Right. Again, we do that with our toddlers. Um, Let's do it with our kids with autism who need the language intervention. Yes. I love number seven. Yeah. um, Lovas once said, and I can never find the the reference, but you can't teach language in discrete trial format. (laughs) And we did this for years. Yeah. (laughs) Many people are still doing it. Um, i just as guilty as everybody else. But uh, we need to teach language in natural contexts, not drill formats. Language happens all around us. Language is an exchange. Language needs to be genuine. If we, um, if we teach a kid, say this, say this, say this, say this, without his really being motivated or understanding why or wanting to say it, it ain't going to happen. Language needs to be meaningful. And the way we motivate motivate kids to increase their language skills is by giving them genuine communication interactions. What are your, some of your favorite activities or classroom centers that, that really lend itself to a lot of language opportunities? Uh, oh, boy. Almost <laughs> I, uh, it's funny, I, I'm sort of known locally as the queen of bubbles. Um, <laughs> I, I love bubbles. 63 years old, I still love bubbles. You know what, that's funny that you said that because my sister is a new, is a new SLP. It's her first year. And I went to Target this week and she's like, can you pick me up more bubbles? I need more bubbles for this week. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give a plug here. Uh, and I do not get any, any uh, remuneration. But Jimbery bubbles are the absolute best in the world. Oh, good to know. They're not soap-based. They're silicone-based. So they oh. last. How do you spell that? Like Jimbery? Like- yeah, like the store. The kids like the store? Stores. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to look those up. Yeah, they're great. Anyway, so I have spent years going through bottles and bottles of bubbles. Um, and I have sat in evaluations and gotten a kid from no words to three or four words in the course of an hour, just blowing bubbles, blow, blow more, blow big, bigger. Um, I want more, I more bubbles. I can, I can start with just blow or just more and gradually increase through again, that modeling and, um, and constantly engaging in an activity that, that kids like and everybody likes bubbles. I hope that's a really inspiring story to people because I I think younger teachers and clinicians feel so overwhelmed that they need all this stuff and you really don't. You you don't. Simple, whatever you've already got. Um, I saw a post recently of another speech and language pathologist who I know pretty well, and it was a picture um, that she had taken in her therapy room with her foot in its sneaker up against a child's foot in their sneaker going, Big, little. <laughs> really, you didn't need to buy anything. It's right yeah. there. So within whatever centers you have in your classroom, within whatever materials you have in, in your bag, any toy, 
Toys are the way to go. Play therapy, we forget that children learn through play. Play is engaging and motivating. And there is, I don't think, a toy out there that you cannot develop language around. Yeah, um, so true. Just are really big on Play-Doh. We use that a lot. Um, and again, think about think about verbs, think about adjectives, and all of the language that you can generate with just those important words. And this ties right into tip number eight. Yes. So core vocabulary <laughs> is taught, reinforced, and expanded continuously. And topical materials for the classroom are modified to use core words. So the teachers are teaching descriptively and not referentially. Gail Van Tatenhove came up with the term descriptive teaching, um, which she uh, uses to talk about how AAC classrooms should look and how teachers should be teaching. We all tend to teach referentially. What is the red planet called? Saturn. What are the three layers of the rainforest? The understory, the, I don't even remember the rest of them. Uh, the canopy. <laughs> but, right. And, and if you put the, those, those vocabulary words in a child's AAC system, he's never going to use them again. Um, they're just going to plug up the space. They take up real estate. They get in the way. And we haven't really taught the child anything. But if I say, can you describe the emergent layer of the rainforest? What can you tell me? And a child can find the core words in his system that say green, high, light. Now I know he knows about the emergent layer of the rainforest. He has taken in what he's been taught and he can tell me that descriptive um, teaching is sort of much higher on Bloom's taxonomy than just naming a thing. And so um, Gail's got a, a marvelous example on her website of uh, rewording the story of the three Billy Goats Gruff, only using core words and no fringe words. And it's amazing that you can take just those high frequency words because they make up 80% of what we say. So you're really not missing much um, in telling a story that way. And so look at the activities that you're doing in your classroom and think about descriptive terms. Think about teaching using adjectives, adverbs, verbs. Again, I, I keep coming back to those same words um, so that you're teaching vocabulary that's going to be useful, that's going to be functional in many, many opportunities, uh, that's going to be used again and you're not cluttering up your AAC system real estate with a bunch of words that the child will never care about later. That's such a good point. And it just, and it will generalize so much easier because you're already using those words about different concepts. Exactly. Oh, oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it seems like a lot, but it's, it's not that difficult. And, and, Teachers are always amazed when it, um, it turns out to be easier than they were afraid it was going to be. Awesome. Okay, so step number nine. Nine, narrative skills. Making narrative skills a focus of your classroom intervention. Um, narrative skills are those storytelling skills that we use in conversation to talk about experiences, to explain about things. Um, to retell a story that we've heard. 
And uh, that's the basis for the rest of your academics. Um, if you can't tell about something you've experienced, you can't tell about something you've read or heard about. Um, and so putting together a narrative does not necessarily mean that I can sit here and tell you, you know, three paragraph story about what just happened. One of my favorite stories uh, with a 16 year old uh, boy with autism who uh, was given at 16, um, a communication book, a pod style communication book. And I taught his teacher and his aide how to do the modeling um, and encourage them to do it all the time. And, and a pod book has about 125 pages. So they just kind of looked at me with the deer in the headlights look. But I got a call about two weeks later um, because they had an aha moment. The APE teacher hadn't shown up. And this boy, he was tall. He was energetic. He needed physical activity. And he started to bite his hand, which by the way, he had bitten so much, he had neurological, permanent neurological damage. And he stopped with the hand midway to his mouth and he looked at the communication book and he pushed, he touched the, the symbol that said more to say, turned it to the unhappy, turned it to the people's page, APE teacher and the no symbol, turned it to the places page, track and field, turned it to the actions page, run. That was a narrative. The eight oh didn't show up. He needed to go out to the field and run. That's awesome. And we were all just stunned. And I got no pushback from any other teacher <laughs> in the district <laughs> giving their kids pod books with 125 pages. You're like, yeah, mic drop right there. <laughs> yes. So oh, I um, love that. It is. And and that's a narrative. You you can tell me a narrative in half a dozen words. Um, and get your point across. Yeah. And then we expand it. Great. Well, and number 10, last mm -hmm. but not least. Yep. Conversational interactions. Again, let's not stop at requesting. Let's get kids talking to each other. Teach them to say hi to each other when they come in or goodbye when they leave. Give them time during the morning um, or at a break time to ask what somebody did yesterday or last night or tell somebody what you did last night. And, and again, focused intervention on what words to use, how to use them, build those conversational skills. Communication is all about connecting with other people. Um, and, and you don't really connect with somebody if all you're doing is asking, I want M&Ms. Yeah, and like you said earlier, that's the basis of friendships. Yes. Oh, and, awesome. And, and it gets to have friends. Yeah. That should be a goal. Like that, I, I would hope, is a yeah. goal of every team. <laughs> I, yeah. I think sometimes we forget it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it does need to be. Um, and they're not going to be in our classrooms or in our homes forever. So um, we want skills that will just carry on without us and exactly. that other people can understand. Exactly. Awesome. These were such valuable, but also actionable strategies. And I think, you know, how I, as a young teacher used to really feel about AAC was very intimidated and overwhelmed because it seemed like a lot of work and I, yeah. I had the best intentions, but you know, life gets in the way. So I, Absolutely. I hope that, you know, looking at things from this approach where it can be embedded into part of your day makes it a little more, you know, 
manageable. I hope so. I mean, that's that's why I wrote the book is to make it make it easy to follow, make it simple, step by step um, directions, examples of activities, because teachers do get overwhelmed. Speech pathologists get overwhelmed. You know, it's not a required course. Um, to get your speech therapy license. And not all graduate programs even teach an AAC course. Um, so not all speech pathologists are familiar with it. Hmm. Uh, so so we need to get the information out there and make yeah. people more comfortable with it. Yeah, so you, can you share the name of your book and where people can learn more from you? Sure. Uh, the book is called Make the Connection, A Practical Guide to Parents and Practitioners for Teaching the Nonverbal Child to Communicate with AAC. Um, it's available on Amazon, or you can go to the website maketheconnectionbook.com and, um, and get more information. Great. And, do you, and can you share your website as well? Um, my website is susanberkowitz.net, and I blog at kids, K-I-D-Z, learn language at blogspot.com, um, and I this is what I blog about. Awesome. Well, reading. Yeah, <laughs> you name it, everything AAC. Great. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This was very enjoyable and really helpful. You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me, Sasha. All right. Bye-bye. Did you know that two out of three teachers turn to Teachers Pay Teachers for educational resources? As a seller on TPT, this makes me so excited. I love seeing educators turn to other educators for support in their classrooms. There are so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. And this could be made even better if we could involve school budgets in this process. Enter TPT for Schools. TPT for Schools makes it easy for administrators and teachers to collaborate when making curricular decisions. TPT helps you set up a way of using school funds for these resources. This is a new program and there's already over 5,000 schools registered. In the special ed world, this is even more important because we don't have that many resources and the resources that are provided for us might not be so appropriate for our class. To learn more about TPT for Schools, visit schools.teacherspayteachers.com. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.